strange highways i am logging in my name is paul and hey i'm terry here or are you we don't know i guess we'll find that out right Mm, interesting (laughs) so i hope everybody enjoyed our conversation about the the season one episode of the current jordan peele produced twilight zone meet in the middle we had a lot of fun talking about it um yeah uh you know that's uh so far, so good. We'll just put it that way. I know we, we're going to do the other nine here, and we're about to talk about season two, episode two, downtime. Um, maybe you guys have all smashed the like all ten because it's available for binging, and I've been doing my best to avoid all internet commentary uh, about the reviews of the episodes because a lot of sites I follow they uh, dove deep and have written reviews for all of them. So I've been trying to dance around like their headlines because I feel like. I feel like there's a moratorium where it's like, if you've not watched something within 15 minutes, we could talk about spoilers. And I don't like that. I, you know, I have the same problem, but I'm talking like movies that are 30 years old. I still haven't seen (laughs) the Godfather too. So I'm like, don't give me any spoilers. (laughs) I've not seen the Godfather two as well. So I've not seen the Godfather two too. So you're right. There's, there's ones where it's like, um, Oh, what was it? I, there was a list of, um, there was like in variety or some magazine. This was years ago where they talked about like big twists and they talked about the sixth sense. I'm not going to ruin it. People have not seen that. Um, and then they mentioned the movie, the others, the Nicole Kidman film. I had mm. never seen it. And within like, I was just looking through the article and I'm like, well, guess I don't have to watch that now. Like, so yeah. Uh, so no spoilers, people. If you, if you've seen the rest of the stuff, if you want to comment on everything and tell us like, Hey, maybe you guys will like this episode coming up. Cool. Don't tell us why. Cause we want to approach these each fresh week to week. And I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, this has been, this has been fun so far. I know we're only two episodes in, but I like having things I don't know about because I read the internet obsessively and I watch a lot of stuff. It is rare for me to not know a thing until I watch it. And the new Jordan Peele twilight zone is a thing I know nothing about. So this is exciting. 
Well, and to have a fresh uh, outlook when you have a conversation with somebody about it. Like we, I just watched this uh, Tuesday, uh, and then I did my second viewing yesterday. I, I mean, I I feel like there's a lot to gain from a, a conversation when you're having like a recent viewing of something. Yeah, that's fair. And also, it's nice to not have the expectation and baggage of like 50 years plus, you know, like, and again, that's not me sandbagging, um, the original twilight zone. It's just, there's been a lot of rumination and thinking about stuff and this is still very fresh. So it's been fun. Like I, like I said, I I avoided reading any reviews about meet in the middle until after you and I talked about it because I didn't want their commentary to color my impression of the episode. So same thing with this one. I've not read anything about, uh, downtime and I, and I, I'll read something now that you and I talked about it. Well, you know, after we're done talking about it, but, um, it's exciting. This is one of those things where I'm like, I'm going to keep this for myself until we're done. So hopefully everybody's watched the episode. Uh, uh, I would recommend, please, uh, get your free access trial of the, um, of CBS all access. You can smash the season, I guess. I guess you could binge it and then wait for us to catch up, but, um, you're missing out. There's some fun here. Yeah, definitely. And the fact that um, th- th- they put them all on there for you to binge is a real big tease. Because yes. like like you, I was I was tempted, but at the same point, I'm like, no, no, I want to be like I want to be fresh, fresh eyed for every conversation here. So hopefully, uh, our audience is doing the same with us. That would be excellent. If not, then I mean, there's no big problem. Then, but then screw you. Know. you. No, it's not like. <laughs> <laughs> No, no. I just, uh, I just real quick before we get into this, I want to mention that I, I had previously mentioned that we had, there was a Patreon for Strange Highways that I, we had up for the first season of the Jordan Peele Twilight Zone that I had taken the paywall down for. So if you guys go to patreon.com slash strange highways, those episodes are available if you want to hear the conversations about those episodes. I found out that Patreon had shut me down due to inactivity. Surprise, surprise. If people aren't giving us money, they tend to shut it down. I've reactivated it. So um, you can find those episodes there. If people have not um, watched the first season or did and want to hear thoughts about it, it's there. Uh, It's not part of the main podcast feed, but there's 10 episodes there. Um, Just check it out. Just throw that out there. It's, It's free. And if you want more commentary, it's right there. Yeah, that I'm, I still have to get around to it, so I'm I'm super excited to dive not only into the first season, but your guys' conversation about it. So yeah, so fun, fun. Yeah, and, and, and you know there was fun there. Um, I, I'd say, I mean, I don't know, I was there, so I, I probably drug the conversation down, but you know, whatever, it was it was still fun. Anyway, so this episode, season two, episode two, downtime, um, written by Jordan Peele. I don't know if we know him or are familiar with his work. Um, this is exciting though, because I think this is the only script that he's writing this season. Uh, he didn't write an actual script for any of season one. That's, that's not a deterrent. It's just, he produces the show. He brought a writer's room together. He you know, obviously was like finishing the film us, which is a great film. Uh, but it's exciting that he wrote a script for the show. I'm excited for that. I'm actually surprised that this was the only one that he ended up writing for. Um, it seems that he has like almost like a, a backlog of stuff that he's working on. I mean, he's, he's going to be working on the Candyman, which of course that was already a, a, a known property and you know, the, the story was already written, but he did get out and then us. And then I think he had, he had alluded to like, he has a lot of other stuff in the fire, you know, like 
So it's like, all right, you know, I want to see the short stories too, man. Like, cause, uh, yeah, only one. And he is a big name for twilight zone. at least in my opinion right now. Yeah. And so he, he was producer on uh, Candyman, but he brought that together under his monkey's paw, um, like production company, which is great. There's the Amazon series that I'm not watched any to called hunters, that's set in like the seventies. That's about a bunch of people getting together, like hunting Nazis in the U S that he's a producer on. That's exciting. And then also, uh, there's the, the series coming soon called Lovecraft country that he's a producer on. So you're right. His, he has his hands on a lot of different fires right now. Uh, I wish we would get more from him, but again, um, what we had seen dealing with Serling and his output, um, there was, since he was contractually obliged to provide a certain amount of scripts per season, um, you didn't always get his best effort. So if it, I, I am okay with peels, like I have an idea as opposed to, I have to have an idea. I think there's a big difference there, but I'm happy that we got one of his. No, that's a good call. I, it, it's when, when people are pushed to their limits, sometimes we don't get the best product. So I, I guess that's fair. Yeah, and well, like I think I mentioned last week, uh, I've been watching a lot of like Key and Peele stuff, and uh, you guys should go back. It's all they they made all their stuff free on YouTube. Go find it. Um, you can tell his love of horror that runs through, and like you know, weird and sci fi stuff. Like there was a skit called um, oh, what was it called? The flick, and it was like this protracted thing where uh, he against um, um, Keegan Michael. Uh, uh, sorry, Keegan Michael. Um, you know, the other guy, I apologize. My brain's falling apart right now. Michael Keegan. I, yes. I'll look this up. So I get his name, right. Cause I always, I always mess his name up. I, I don't know why. I don't know why I do that. I, I apologize. Um, cause you know, Keegan's a common name, right? Uh, Keegan Michael key key Keegan, Michael key. Cause it's key and peel. Right. So, uh, there's a bit where uh, Keegan, Michael is like, um, he is in his office and he's talking to Jordan Peele and, and Jordan Peele's character is like, you got something on your shirt. And he's like, no, I don't. And he's like, yeah, you do. And it's this protracted thing of like, uh, Keegan knows that, um, Jordan's going to like take his finger and run it from his tie up to his nose and flick his nose. And it's like, it's protracted and it's like, it's ridiculous. And then it goes to a bit where, uh, Keegan's sitting on the toilet and um, like like debating about stuff, and all of a sudden he hears like you know you got something on your shirt. And he's like what? And it just turns out he's actually um, Jordan Peele sitting underneath him on the toilet. And he brings his hand up and flicks his nose again. Um, it's just, but it keeps getting more and more outrageous and more and more like like a um, supernatural thriller. That's a really funny skit. So, um, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. I, I'm just happy there is this has commentary and interest and humor, which is where I feel like that's, that's Jordan Peele's wheelhouse. And I'm excited for this. It feels, I think Sterling would be nodding in approval at this episode. Yeah, there, there is a, a really good balance of, uh, the different aspects that may pull you one way or another in this episode. It's not, it's not strictly, you know, like, well, it's very suspenseful. There's, there's some bits in here that are kind of fun. Yeah. Um, I I I can't wait to unfold this conversation. There you go. So <laughs> we'll, we'll just move forward here. So directed by JD Dillard. Um, not I wasn't familiar with this person. I do see that they directed one episode of the HBO uh, miniseries The Outsider, based upon the Stephen King book. Um, people have loved that. I've not watched the series. The book was pretty good. He did uh, two episodes of something called Two Sentence Horror Stories, 
Um, so, you know, he has a pedigree here. He also, there was a Blumhouse produced film that came out in 2019 called Sweetheart. I never heard of this, but it, it, it's like a woman on an island um, by herself. So she's dealing with the elements, but then there's like a supernatural element. So feels like this is this is a good guy to bring in for this. Yeah, the only thing that I even remotely recognized um, from his catalog, he was an he's he does some acting as well. He was in Rise of the Skywalker. Mm. Okay, Rise so, of Skywalker. Yeah, uh, Rise of the Skywalker. I think that's appropriate. That's fine. Rise of a Skywalker. Um, so yeah, I, I also think again. Uh, maybe he doesn't have like the like the most. I mean, he directed a film. So, how many films have I directed? Three, but we won't talk about them. Uh, but this guy has, you know, he he's he's getting some steam, and good on the the team of bringing somebody in here. It's, you know, and this episode's directed well, so that's good. Like another, it's another, uh, you know, another piece of ammo this person can bring forward, being like, I directed this kick-ass episode of The Twilight Zone. Spoiler. Um, so yeah, so JD Diller's the director. Um, we have in our cast, uh, we have, uh, Marina, uh, Baccarin, Baccarin. I'm going to mess up her name. I apologize as Michelle Weaver. Um, I, I just, uh, I, I don't know how familiar you are with her. Um, she was Deadpool's girlfriend in both Deadpool films. Um, and, uh, she, her big, big, big break was as Anara Sarah in uh, Firefly. Yeah, see, I unfortunately have still not gotten to Firefly or Serenity, so I feel like a terrible person. Uh, but you know, no, I, it's I, okay. I do, like, I, I, yeah, I mean, some, uh, Firefly is a lot of fun. Um, Serenity is awesome. It, it's it, it's it, it threads that needle of like, how do you do a standalone movie that people have never watched one season of a TV show that got canceled, and somehow it does. It does it really well, but it pays off watching that one season of television before you watch that film. Yeah, I, I still look forward to that. They, um, the only things that um, I would have known her from, but unfortunately I have not gotten to them yet either, but um, 22 episodes of V, and then she did 82 episodes of Gotham. Yeah, um, which I've not seen Gotham. I know V was like the big revival on ABC. It just didn't quite you know, get there. Um, so I'll also mention here, this, this is a quote that I found on IMDb for her, and I think this is a... Uh, this is some foreshadowing for the episode. So Terry, you ready for this? Uh, I do think it is possible to be in love with two people at the same time. That's a personal quote from her. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. We'll talk about it. Um, so, uh, so that's all I have for her. Um, next person I have um, is uh, Coleman Domingo as Carl Weaver slash Danny. We'll get into why that is. Um, I wasn't familiar with them, but they, they've done 65 episodes of fear the walking dead. So there are no commodity. I just not seen that show. Yeah, I haven't seen that either. Um, unfortunately have not seen these other two credits, but, um, Lincoln, he was in as well. And then Selma, Selma won, I think best picture that year. So like, okay. uh, another, another like uh, thing that just kind of eluded me. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it's like, Oh, that's the important films that teach me things. Are there robots? You know, that's that's where I'm at sometimes. It's bad where I'm like, oh, I could probably learn something and be a better person. Or I could watch robots punch monsters. And that's, you know, so, I, you know, yes, I've not seen Selma. I probably should have by now. And and we will see him soon enough because he is in uh, Candyman that's coming out. Oh, nice. Perfect. 
Uh, so then um, the next person I have here is uh, uh, Sarinda Swan. I think that's how you say her name, or Sarinda Swan as Ellen Lowell, uh, who is the wife. We'll talk about more as a character when we get into the story. Um, so <laughs> I actually know her. Uh, like, have, have you seen Tron Legacy or no? Unfortunately, I've not seen oh. either. So, okay. Well, anyway, she she doesn't have a very big part in Tron Legacy, but there's a bit where uh, she plays a character called Siren Number Two. Um, you will you will you will recognize her when you see her. That's what I'll say is that she's a scene stealer. And she doesn't say a single word. Like uh, all the Tron suits are very tight fitting and um, very um, uh, complimentary. That's what I'll say about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. I just, I mean, I'm not trying to be like, you know, a pig man, but I'm a pig man. Um, so there's just a bit where the main character, who is the son of Flynn from the first film, he ends up in the game grid. This all makes gibberish to you because you're not seeing these films, but he ends up being outfitted to go on the play field. And there's these four, these, these four attendants that show up and they're all very attractive women. And uh, they're like, I guess they're referred to as sirens and they, they basically um, de-res his clothes and put him into like basically what you know as the Tron garb. And by Tron, I mean like the, the weird, like, you know, like the light up suits that they're in and she's one of them. And I'm just like, I know that face. And I'm like, that's why, you know, um, also she played the character of Medusa in the Marvel's and human TV series. I feel bad for her because I've heard that is a garbage fire of a Marvel show. Like the one miss out of everything and I've not watched it and I kind of don't want to. Yeah, it is kind of a bummer. Uh, and the fact that she is kind of, uh, doing the superhero thing here, we got, she got three, uh, episodes of Smallville under her, uh, under her credits as well. Okay, cool. Uh, the next person I have listed just in in terms of importance in the episode, I believe is, uh, Tony Hale as Tom, uh, which, you know, he has a very small part, but I think he's very important. Uh, Tony Hale is Buster Bluth from Arrested Development, which I adore his character on that show. He was in eight episodes of Drunk History, so you know he loves um, acting out the statements of drunk people talking about history. And he's also in the show Veep, which I've not seen, but I feel like I owe it to myself because it seems like it's right up my alley. I love I love Tony Hale. Yeah, he, he was he was pretty good in this. Uh, I there wasn't very much for him, but uh, the only credits that I have seen him in were not good. Um, tra- Transformers: The Last Night, not good. Um, and then uh, Stranger Than Fiction. That is the um, the Will uh, Ferrell. Who is it? Yeah, it's Will Ferrell, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Will Ferrell. I yeah, I got my own feelings about Will Ferrell and it was again, like aligning with those same feelings. I, it's a still Will Ferrell film. So um, I did not do it. If you, well, if you've not seen any arrest of development, Buster Bluth is just a weird character and he is just, it just Tony Hale has this vibe with him the entire time. And it's just, I, I adore Tony Hale and you're right. He wasn't given much in this episode, but I was happy to see him. I, I, I've known Tony Hale for years just because of rest of development. And he has been, he does voice work and other things too. Like um, there was an, um, a, a uh, DC animated film called Batman Ninja in which he plays the Joker. He does a pretty good Joker. That's not a good animated film, but he's, he's actually a pretty fun Joker. Yeah. I saw that credit on there. I, I'm actually uh, interested to see how he does the voice. Um, uh, hopefully he doesn't try to 
oversell it and try to meet eye to eye with Mark Hamill or something like that. It, you hear it. It's like, it's like, that sounds like Mark Hamill. And it's like, he doesn't, you, you have to watch the thing and I don't recommend it. Cause it's kind of, it's kind of a, not great. I bought it blind, but he, you know, like you're right. The Joker casts a long shadow. So anybody voicing the Joker has a lot to live up to. And he's perfectly fine as the Joker in that. So, yeah. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm. Yeah, that's all I knew him from. So, uh, who do we who do okay. we have next here? Yeah, it just so just everybody just be aware that like some of the like again the IMDb is it's constantly being updated with everything. So, uh, I've I've missed some people because I wasn't sure who they were and it wasn't labeled very well. So, next person I have is uh, Hamza Froud, uh, Foud Hamza Foud as the desk clerk Jeffrey. Uh, the reason I want to mention, because he's in the, the, this episode for a half second, right? And being told he's being very rude. I looked at his his credits. He has done four made-for-TV Christmas films. So I'm like, all right, it's a paycheck. So he's been in The Christmas Pact, Christmas Bells Are Ringing, A Sweet Christmas Romance, and Random Acts of Christmas, which sounds kind of like a horror film. <laughs> Watch out for those. He must- yeah, go ahead, please. He must have had some kind of contract with Hallmark where they're like, we're going to get you for four films. Let's lock it in now. I just I just want Random Acts of, Random Acts of Christmas to be like a uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night sequel. Like Silent Night, Deadly Night 7, Random Acts of Christmas. That's what I want. Um, Punish. <laughs> I, so I don't know if you have any notes for him, but I thought it was funny. I'm just like, holy shit, this guy's done four Christmas films. Um uh, next person I have is JC Dotton as Kelly Fox. She's the lady in the video that we'll talk about here in a second. That's explaining the process. That's important to the episode. Um, the only thing, <laughs> I just looked at her, her credits. She has also a made for TV Christmas film called a Christmas duet. <laughs> it's Christmas in July folks. I guess. So. <laughs> right. Uh, so the next, next two I have is actually the snooty couple in the hotel. I have Natalie, uh, uh, Goryo Zhu, I'm messing up her name, is uh, Diane Desmond. Um, she was in a made for TV film called Baby Sellers. Um, that, that title is probably like a movie called Baby Sellers can never be as good as the title of a film called Baby Sellers. Yeah, I, I don't even know what the hell that is. I, I, I don't recognize her from anything at all. No. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I got nothing for her. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's no, no, dude. Like, this is where we're at right now, right? So then the last person I have here is James Cott as Clyde Desmond as the most punchable face in the world. Uh, I I just wrote my notes. No Christmas films. <laughs> and no film selling babies. Um, I couldn't. I, it was a hard for me to determine because there's actually two other characters in this that show up as quote unquote customer service. I had a hard time parsing out who they were just because they weren't given names. And I feel bad because they actually have speaking parts. I just couldn't place them. Yeah. And I kind of, I switched up the arrangement here, but so the, the next uh, character I have, it plays another bit role in this. Um, we, our main, our main characters we've already got out of the way, but um, Darren Tolze, this is terrible. Um, Tolly Zinsky. Tolzinski. Sure. Tolzinski. Yeah. Good enough. There we go. He, uh, he plays Reginald, uh, Reggie, as uh, Michelle keeps on calling him. Um, he was in Tron Legacy, uh, Godzilla, 
and the X-Files, the newer, like, 2016 episodes that they put out. Yeah, well, there you go. There's a Tron legacy connection between him and um, the Siren. So, there you go. Perfect. Um, Yeah, that's, um, yeah, it's just, again... People, this is a current uh, like thing is being updated. Everybody has to get their like uh, their little slice of the pie in terms of the IMDb, so it gets a little little muddy. Um, but yeah, let's just uh, let's just get let let's just get uh, Jordan Peele's intro, and then we'll just we'll truck through this. It'll be I cannot wait to talk about this. Michelle Weaver is a woman who's worked her entire life to get where she is in the world. Now, as this new chapter begins, it's the world itself that's about to change. She's about to take a break from life as she knows it and book an extended stay here in the Twilight Zone. So, uh, Tara, I'll give you I'll give you the um, the reins here to kind of set this up because this is a, a shorter runtime episode, which is actually refreshing. Not that because these things are terrible to talk about, but this is when I when I asked Tara to be part of the show. This is kind of that like that sweet hit of the twilight zone that we're like, we're in and we're out. This is what I wanted to get into things like this. Yeah. This is the midnight cowboy of episodes here. So <laughs> it's, um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we get Michelle and she's, um, preparing herself. She, uh, she's looking in the mirror, getting herself tight and ready to go. Um, she has an interview with Reginald, the, her boss about a promotion. So, she goes in, she starts talking to Reggie, and he seems almost kind of like put off by her approach at this moment. And he's just kind of looking around, whatever. And uh, she she reads the room and she takes a she takes a seat back a little bit. Like she she like laxes and she starts telling him a joke. So you see that Reggie is like receptive of this real quick. Because he wants to see her in her natural habitat. He wants to see her just be her. So she goes through the whole joke and everything and gets him to laugh at the end. And uh, he's like, you can you can chill. You got it. Like, there's no reason to worry about it. You were you were already going to get this position anyways. And she's like, oh, God, thank thank you so much. Like, you can tell she's put so much effort mm-hmm. into this promotion and like sweating bullets up to this date because she like the exhausted look on her face when he said that she had it was just like great and then he hands her her new manager id and she's like her hand is shaking and i've been there you know i've gotten a promotion in the past and it's i i could see what um what's going on for michelle at this moment it's great yeah i just want to point out like you said he's distracted i think knowing what we know about the episode that with him looking out the window, looking at his watch and kind of be pressed for time a little bit, I think plays better the second time through. And then she says to him like, Oh, you're retiring. What are you going to do next? He's like, yeah, I was thinking about becoming a CEO or a rock star. And she laughs at him. Like he's being literal, like the entire time. And she is just like, not, she's not reading it, which we know why. Like, and I, I know I'm being a little coy, but it's like, again, I, I adore dialogue that's hitting you in the face the entire time. And you have no idea that it's being like direct with you. And I liked this, this segment. Yeah. I, on the second watch, I really like grasped that whole CEO 
uh, rock star thing. I was like, aha, it, it makes more sense now. Yeah. And I, I kind of like, I would love our audience to do the rewatch as well, because you ca- you catch those subtleties, uh, you know, upon that rewatch. And it's, 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 it's a lot of fun because you're like, whoa, they kind of slipped that in there and they got me off guard. Yeah, and just I mean again, credit to to Peel knowing that he knows where the story is going. You don't, but he's just I I just I love I love somebody that shows you their, their cards the entire time, but you have no idea what they're looking at. Just like we talked about last week with Meet in the Middle, there's there's such these huge flashing neon signs that happen that you don't know until you watch it a second time, and that's one of these moments that I really dig. Yeah, definitely. And it, the, I was in that same spot last uh, last episode. So she get she gets the news and, you know, uh, Reggie's like, well, I ended up telling a few people. And so she goes out into the hallway greeted by a bunch of the staff of the hotel, like congratulating her and that. But she does not skip a beat. One The next scene mm-hmm. that we see her in, she is super like on point again. She's walking around. She gives a little bit of a like a hustle to uh, one of the bellhops. And then we see her come up to the desk area and she, she's within earshot of a problem that's already starting to unfold with Jeffrey, the, the front desk worker. So she intervenes right away before. No, 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 no. We get the notion that we get this, this very punchable couple where it's like, This guy's giving us attitude, and Jeffrey's like, "I didn't give you attitude." And like, that's the attitude, and I'm like, "I've reached retail. I hate these people immediately. I just despise these people." Where it's like, the word "no" is not the same thing as attitude. But anyway, that's that's not this episode. But it pissed me off, and I'm like, I do not like these two. Um, but they're basically uh, bitching at Jeffrey because of the brochure they were given the room that they booked would have four room four four windows and the, the room they actually are in have three heaven forbid but yeah you got yeah got a couple karens here so <laughs> <laughs> right uh so then michelle's like no 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 she pivots immediately and she's like well we're gonna fix this upgrade you guys here's complimentary drinks you know um and also if you wanted to slap my employee for a minute it's fine whatever she says uh, and she, she basically, cause like, I, I, can I just take a side though? I hate the notion of like, if someone is slightly inconvenienced, like you, you don't have four windows, you have three somehow, you know, you feel like you're owed the world. Ugh, I just hate that. I hate the notion of like, yes, here's a small thing. I guess got to bring the dump truck up and dump everything down on you to make you shut up. That's the vibe I got from these people. Not this episode. I despise them. Um, so anyway, that, that's more me coming out here, <laughs> but she fixes it. She smooths it over. And then, um, and then Jeffrey's like, Oh, you are so good at handling people. You know how to anytime things, anything happens where people are unreasonable. She's like, you got to be extra reasonable. And then she leans in. She's like, you also had an attitude, What? Jeffrey didn't deserve that. He didn't deserve that extra, um, bit of a critique. I think Jeffrey handled it fine. It, it, yeah. As a, uh... Jeffrey is later making a list. <laughs> you know, it's like this poor guy who not only got berated by these two Karens was, you know, also like there was no validation from his boss. Yeah. And he's just doing his job to make sure that not only that, you know, people are taken care of, but he also understands what the problem is. Like he sees the problem 
but he also doesn't recognize what the hell they're talking about. So I, I've been in the same position. You're not alone here, Paul. We have a support group. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not even not recognizing their position. Their, their position's ridiculous where it's like, you're asking for too much. This is not correct. But now I am your focus of ire. But once we get to the actual um, gears that are working this episode, I wonder about this interaction and if, if it's something that um, that everybody involved was looking forward to. Like, <laughs> um, so yeah, anyway. Uh, so we get Michelle like leaning. She's immediately in her job. I just want to point out too that the, I think the name of the hotel is like Farmingham. Um, Farringham is the name of it. And there's the interlocking circles in the logo. I think those are both on purpose and I'll explain why later. Um, so she leaves the hotel. She's getting a, a, a coffee. She's talking to her husband. He's like, we need to celebrate. Uh, can you get off early? She's like, I didn't get this job by leaving early. And he's like, okay, great. I'll be home. Like there's, there's a genuine warmth there. And then as she's talking on her phone, uh, something happens where there's like the sudden noise and like, you could tell that she is in pain and it, it just, it just hits her first and something's not right. Um, and then after that though, um, like then we get a noise and we see people acting differently. Yeah. While she's going through this experience, like, and this noise is, it's, there are elements of being organic, but then there's other elements that are just like completely non like, uh, like she has no comprehension of them yeah. and she has like, it's really huge pain in her head. So while she's trying to deal with this, people are getting up out of their seats in the coffee shop and leaving the area. They can't hear the, the noise that is causing her pain, but they hear something that makes them go outside. So by the time that she has uh, clarity again, she sees that the, the coffee shop that's within the hotel is completely cleared out. And she goes outside and she sees just people just standing about. But there's this enormous, almost like eye. Oh, it's an looking eye. Thing. It's a big gold eye, like in the sky, staring at everybody. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. It is. Um, I don't know. It's it's intimidating. I'll just put it that way. Yeah, and like, so she's dealing with the fact that nobody is panicking at this moment, and in this gigantic thing in the sky. So she she starts saying to these people like, "What's going on? What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to run? What's what?" Like her panic is at a level that no one else is experiencing, and in that panic, um, she just she just kind of like becomes a lot more bewildered by what's going on because of the people. And then all of a sudden this lady comes up to her who I honestly thought was Frenchie from, uh, from Greece, but apparently not. It looks exactly <laughs> like her. Um, but like she says, Hey, how long is this supposed to last? She's like, what do you mean? She's like, well, like the downtime. And of course, Michelle has no idea what the downtime is. And she's like, eh, whatever. And the lady tilts her head back like everybody around her and just kind of gapes their mouth and then kind of they check out becomes vacant. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a weird experience. Yeah. Which I mean, like and we'll talk more about it in a second. The notion of people standing perfectly still and like 
Um, like uh, th- this is something that has been, this has happened a few times in the original twilight zone. So I was like, Oh shit. Like, like elegy. We came across all these people that were standing perfectly still. Uh, there's an episode called still Valley in the third season, of the original series where people standing perfectly still. Um, I'm going to guess that we get season five. A, um, a was a, a certain kind of stopwatch. People stand perfectly still for a minute. Um, so I was like, Oh, Jordan Peele's twisting some of this. It's something he's turning something on its head. Uh, at this point in time, though, everybody's standing perfectly still and looking up at a big old eye in the sky. I was like, "This is a Doctor Who episode." <laughs> like I expected the Doctor to show up and be like, "I know what's going on. Jump in this blue box. We're good." Like this didn't feel that far away from it, and that's not that's not a um, that's not a negative. I just I just did not know where this was going, and this is a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, and it got to this real quick. I mean, I'm I'm glad that we had an episode. That, I mean, Just what are we talking here? Like yeah. five minutes, and we're getting into the meat of what's like the rest of the premise is going to unfold. Yeah, like, for a 38 minute. Yeah, I was gonna say for a 38 minute runtime. I'm sorry, I cut you off. Uh, when we get to um, the narration that introduces the episode, we're nine minutes in. So it, you're right. There, there is almost no fat on this and it, it is refreshing. Yeah. And, and, you know, and what you were kind of alluding to, uh, like the parallels that you're drawing, I have a lot, so I don't want to step on my own toes. So while we're starting to unfold the rest of the episode, so Michelle, she runs through the city and she's completely panicked at this point. And I think that her only option is to go back to her neighborhood so she's walking, or I'm sorry, running past all of these, um, almost like mannequins at this mm-hmm. point, and she runs past Jordan Peele. So and it's a, <laughs> it's amazing. it is awesome. I love I love that transition of he's one of the guys who are or that are like offline right now, and it, it's I, he, we get his narration, and it's it's amazing. Like I, I hope we get this every time. This is comical in its own right, but he's still. You know, like completely straight face. He's giving like this the the surling kind of um, vibe. I I I'm I'm I know I'm only two episodes into the peel stuff. I'm loving it, man. I'm loving his delivery. It. He gets he gets the notion of like the narrator who is basically uh, he's uh, you know the watcher from Marvel Comics, right? Like he is he is the great observer. And he needs to be in that place and time and the way they found a way. I mean, clearly he wrote the episode, so he knew where he was going to bring his character in. I love it. Um, season one does a lot of this too. There's an episode called a traveler where it's paying through these different jail cells. And the very far one is him sitting in a chair talking and it's like, God damn, it's amazing. Like it's so, it's so great. And I, I'm super excited that we get to see him showing up. My, my only regret of this episode is that we don't get to physically see him at the end, but this episode, like I love his entrance in it. It's so great. It's, it's masterful. And I, I, that's the only way I can put this. And I wish that we would have had that kind of like, uh, like, I guess synchronicity throughout the entire series with Rod doing that. Um, I just think it's such a fun aspect it is. and yeah. you know, I, I'm it's glad a, it comes full circle. It's a bummer that, um, that there was only seasons two and three of the original run that he would show up except for 
the last episode of season one where he physically shows up at the end and it's, it's, it's a fun gag. Um, yeah, I just, this is, this is the right call. This is, this is the, the, he is your ferryman into the twilight zone and I love his intro here. It's really fun. That's a good, that's a good, uh, analogy there. I, I, I am looking forward to everything that like we're going to see in the future episodes because this is so fun right now. Like, I'm just like, now where are we going to see Jordan next? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's very appealing. That's what I'm going to say. That's terrible. Uh, but so I just want to uh-huh. point out that, um, so she runs by a place called the busy bee diner before she runs into him or past him. And then when we get the, his intro and then she's running down the street near her house, uh, she encounters a cop. He's holding a cup that says the busy bee diner. Um, that's a callback uh, to the first season of the Peel stuff. There's the episode called Replay uh, that there is a very terrible moment that happens outside of a busy bee diner. So uh, it's something that's revisited. I forget if that's referenced in the original series, but it is a callback to the first season. So at least there's still that connected, like connected vibe. And I kind of dig it. Yeah, I, I, I caught that note too. Um, I didn't see anything about that. Um, like being uh, the connective tissue for the original series. But, you know, that's fun at least that he's able to play the game that Rod was kind of doing yeah. back in the day. So, yeah. So, we, yeah so she, please go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. All right. So, yeah. So she, she talks to this cop and she's like, what's going on? Like, this is the only person at this moment who is not like, uh, like just still like there's nothing going on. There's no like they're almost comatose. So she says, like, what's going on? What are we supposed to do? And it's like, oh, you know, it's just world maintenance. Like, you played the audio of it. That was the cop that she was talking to. And it was just, just need to wake up. And then he does the the weird look to the sky, look to the eye thing, and then opens his mouth and just becomes, uh, again, comatose. Uh, she So, like... She is getting no help here at all. But she's really, <laughs> yes. Yeah. She, yeah. Like she, everybody I talk within, to, everybody I talk to checks out what's going on. Yeah. It's, it is weird. I will give it that. I get this at Walmart, so it's, it's fine. <laughs> Fair enough. That is, um, that is an accurate statement. Yeah. Uh, so like we finally get her, she's close to home now at this point and she runs inside and she's yelling for her, her husband, Carl. She run. She runs upstairs and he just got out of the shower. He's like, whoa, I thought you were supposed to be here at like nine o'clock. And she's like, do you not realize what the hell is going on outside? And he's like, wait a minute. Wait, what's going on? And then she she describes briefly what is happening outside. And he's like, oh, changes. Like he has a completely different um, uh, tone in his voice. It's, it's like sounds an like Irish accent. Yeah. It, yeah. It, uh, like. He has a, that this weird accent. He's like, "Oh yeah, you know, you gotta wake up. You know, we gotta go out. It's maintenance time." And I'm just he, he of course is talking to her, like she knows what the hell is going on, and she is completely unaware of what's really f- unfolding for her at this moment. And like she says, "Hey, you're you're my husband. You're Carl. You have a weird toe, and." You know, you you hide strawberry candies all over the place. And he's like, you know, my name's Danny, right? Like, like, kind of like hand waves her. Like, there's something else going on here. I'm sorry, you don't understand, but we got to go outside. 
and we got to unplug. And she still is like, what the hell? And she chases him outside. He, he stands in the middle of the street and does the same thing that everybody else is doing. Just weirdly staring up at the sky and opens their mouth. So I'm going to ask you whenever she can like first finds him like coming out of the shower, did you notice the artwork that was behind her on the wall at all? Did you notice that? I, I did not. So it's a framed piece of art. that's very abstract, but the top part is a blue circle, but the bottom part is a, as a green diamond. Um, I, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask everybody if, if you've seen this the episode, but watch the second time, pay attention to the green diamond. Um, that's there in the artwork. And it's also showing up in the hotel later for the elevator, like sconces, we're going to call them like the lights. Um, the green diamond is a, um, a thing called the plum Bob in the Sims in which it's a game people play and controlling other people. Um, I don't think that, I, I think that was purposely placed there. Dude, you're blowing my, my mind right now. I, we'll unfold all of that part in a moment, but the, I cannot believe that you just draw, you have drawn that parallel. Like I had no idea. I did see in the hotel, the same image. Green so, diamonds show up a lot. They show up a lot. And I think it's on purpose. The only reason I know this is because my wife uh, plays the Sims every day. And, um, I, I can't bring myself to play a game in which I force people to be better than myself because then they get upset and I'm like, I, I don't blame you. Just watch TV all day. Eat Cheetos. You do you. <laughs> 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 no, I literally, the first time I played the Sims, like I, I made a character like me and then, um, I put like exercise equipment in his, his house or whatever. And all he wanted to do was play video games and stay up all night. I'm like, no, you need to work out and go to bed. And his like, his happiness rays kept dropping and I'm just like, I can't force me to do these things. I'm done with this game. Like that's what happened. And it's like, so I'm, I'm very much aware of the Sims and I just wanted to point out, um, what we learned here in a couple minutes. I I'm pretty sure this is all on purpose. Yeah, I, I think so at this point. So, so he, he does his like weird, like unplug unplug thing again. Uh, but then she notices that the only people that are moving around right now are these weird skateboarders that notice her and they beeline it for her. Well, so she it, runs it, back inside of her house. Carl slash Danny says, I'll, I'll tell them to help come to you. She's like, what are you talking about? I'll get help for you. Basically he's like, I'll talk to customer service and she doesn't understand. And then the skate punks show up, which again, there was a, like there was like four of them in this episode. So I couldn't, I couldn't get credits for them because I wasn't sure who was who. Yeah, some of the I didn't really like how they labeled some of them. Um, I, yeah. I did use the uh, the closed caption. Okay. I don't I don't like how they label some of these characters, and it kind of pisses me off. So either way, um, so we get we get a couple of skateboarders that notice her, and she runs into the house. She locks the door. Whatever. And we get a, I, I got a break at least, um, from uh, my CBS thing. When we, when we come back from the break, um, sh the lock just kind of comes undone. Yep. They're able to access her home. No problem. Yep. And she so, has the knife and out and then the two guys come in the two, uh, skate punks. One has a toque and the other one I think is labeled as Afro punk skater. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The Afro punk thing, I, 
I don't, he didn't have really an afro. So I'm like, even when I'm, I had the closed caption on it, it said Afro Punk as hit like his label. I was like, okay, <laughs> he doesn't have much of an afro. So I don't understand how that really equates to who is, who is actually talking right now. But anyways, um, so they're trying to calm the situation down and tell her that they're there to help. And she, of course, is like not receptive of this entire situation. And she's holding the knife in a defensive mode. They're like, OK, we'll explain everything to you. But we got to lose the knife. And like just like this, like digitizing of it just goes knife, away. it disappears. <laughs> Yeah, and she's like, oh, well, that sucks. And she's still confused further. Yeah, and they're like, okay, we're we're not making headway. And, of course, the two skateboarders can't really see eye to eye to, like, accommodate Michelle. So, like, the the, the African-American character is like, well, can I, can I use your TV to show you something? So they go to the TV, and um, he... Ex- through this video, and it's kind of like a tutorial in a sense that um, how their program is run. Um, what is it? Sleep? Sleep away. And it, you find Sleep. out that they use like these little nodules on their forehead, like on the corners of their forehead, like their temples, um, which I mean, here, not to pat myself on the back, but we saw a commercial for this in the last episode whenever uh, the dude's being murdered by um, the McPoyle guy. Um, we saw the sleepway tech showing up there. Like that's feels heavy handed, but that's what showed up there in the corner of the, the living room when the one guy's getting killed. Um, we get what they call identity tourism where they sleep, they make characters, they exist in this world. And then, um, the one rule is stay in character, but then when their character's day is up, they wake up and they live their lives. It's interesting. Now, Here's the vibe that I got. Recall. <laughs> yes. Total recall. Yes. Like it, you were just waiting for the recall recall at the end of that, like little infomercial thing that they were doing there. I was like, Oh my God. Like this is exactly like what that would have been. But then there's, there are other things that we can associate with, with this episode, which we will talk about further. So we, we find out that Michelle is she's plugged into the system as an avatar. Mm-hmm. So, and w- it's Phineas uh, Lowe that is S. Phineas Lowe who plays Michelle in the game in this world. And more recently, something happened to him. He w- he logged in. And he was in for about a half an hour or whatever, and then he ended up having a stroke. So now there Michelle's character, her, her avatar is in this weird limbo where Phineas is not actually in the game anymore, but his, his consciousness is, is kind of there because yeah. the character is They're there. They're still synced up because he's in a coma, you know? And so she has no recollection of him, but she still exists because he stroked out mid game. And so she's like untethered, to his, his existence. And this is all news to her. Cause she does not know about any of this. And it, it's such a fascinating concept. Uh, you know, like the fact that gameplay could exist in this kind of like, 
idea. Uh, it, it made me really intrigued about what gaming is going to be in the future. So, I mean, like, so she's trying to comprehend this entire thing. Um, she she understands that the next the next step is really supposed to be that she needs to be unplugged. The 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 skaters say, well, that's that's like the actual like next step for their format, like their 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 manuals. And she's like, well, I I mean, I am Michelle. Like, I am. I just got promoted today. She's like losing her shit at this point. Like. She doesn't want to believe these guys at all, and then who would want to? You know, like this is the this is the world that she's always known. Well, that and the notion uh, of a forced unsync might destroy her. And but since she doesn't know Phineas, she doesn't have any skin in the game of like, well, I don't know who that is, but I know who I am, and you're telling me to look up at the big golden eye and hope for the best. Like I can understand why she's calling bullshit on that, as oh. as we know the character. Yeah, it, well, yeah, it's scary as hell because, like, you know, like she's put in the blood, sweat, and tears. Like she said, I worked for this promotion. This is something that I've strived for for the longest time. Imagine being the guy who, or in this case, the woman who's put so much effort into their life that they finally get notoriety, and it's like, well, you know, you're just you're just a pawn. You're just a a, a game piece for somebody who else is playing you as a character. It's like, wow. Like what a, what a, like a, like a thing to overcome in your own reality. It's like your reality is not real. Yeah. And for her to like, for them to, cause the, the one, the one customer service guy is like, you got to meet her where she's at. And then the other guy's like, oh, let me like, let me talk to you. Cause like, this is an anomaly. Like this hasn't happened with their, their service. Right. So, they don't know what to do about it specifically. And they know that like the only way through this is to convince her to force unsync. So it, it, at least at this level, right? So uh, they now then raise the stakes a little bit by bringing in um, Phineas's wife um, to talk to uh, Michelle and Michelle's like, I don't know who the hell you are. And she's like, and, and, um, and uh, Ellen's like, I'm your wife. And, and there's a whole bit too, where they keep referring to Michelle as he, and she's like, he, what are you talking about? Like, that's kind of funny. Um, but she is dealing with all this and they can't get their gender pronouns right because they know it's an actual male that has the system, but she is a, she, I thought that was kind of a funny moment, but they bring the wife in to try to talk to her, um, to be like, Hey, you know, you got to consider this. And then they go for a walk and they get to know each other. And it's a very, it's a very interesting and very affecting scene. Yeah. You know, like we're finding out more about who Phineas was and the relationship that he has with Ellen. Uh, she says that they've been married for 15 years. Uh, they have two kids. Um, they even, um, like got, um, uh, engaged in a park similar to the one that they're walking through right now. And like, it, it it's really, it's got to be very difficult for Michelle, but it's so emotional for Ellen too, because she's trying to almost try to compromise with her. Like, here's what's going on. Here's the person I love. You have to understand where I'm coming from right now. You have to see that without you, uh, unsinking, I can't even have the idea of what my, my husband was. 
Like there is no, like she can't see that there is like a future idea of what her husband was if she disconnects. Because at this point, you know, he's still, he's still in this coma, but the consciousness has left his body. Yeah. I mean, we find out later that it's a little bit more dire. You're right. But like Ellen's in like, you need to, you need to unsync because you, you know, I'm here and you have two children and Michelle's like, I feel like I have this like deep connection with you, but I don't know you. And then, you know, there's a kiss that, you know, pretty great. Just throw that out there. Um, and, but you get the notion that there's a connection and that Ellen's right about it. And Michelle's feeling something. And then Michelle's like, Hey, let's just, the, the downtime's almost over because the thing is right now, we don't know that when downtime is over, when world maintenance is over with this weird untethered um, avatar of Michelle, what's going to happen to the game world and what's going to happen to Phineas? Like there's that big question of like, can it be okay for her to exist here without him? Or do they need to get her out of the system to make it run properly and to also get, I, that it does it isn't ever quite clear, but that's the point. And it, 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 it presents a really interesting conundrum of like, do I log out to try to help this family without the guarantee that he's going to make it and I lose myself or do I stay here and I corrupt the entire system? That's the vibe I get at this point with the decision being made. And, it, and this, this is exactly where I have to draw the next parallel, which I felt so strongly about matrix. So yeah. if you die in a matrix, you die in real life. So if we don't have her consciousness, like what the, I, I guess like the, the formative idea of what her consciousness is like for Phineas does he not like, is he kind of going to become comatose and non-responsive on the other end? So like it kind of, it makes that question appear as well for me. Mm -hmm. So we get the moment where Michelle's like, okay, I'll do this. And then they both like uh, Ellen and Michelle go to go look up at the big gold eye in the sky. And uh, just as they're about to do it, in like three, two, one, Michelle does the fake out and Ellen logs out. And, Ellen, and Michelle's like, I can't do it. And so Ellen is checked out. And so then Michelle runs away. And um, there's this whole cat and mouse thing between her and customer service, which, you know, I've dealt with customer service. This is not that different. You know, let's <laughs> throw that out there. Uh, but I, I do like that um, as she's running back to the, to the hotel that she knows and customer service, these skate punks are following her. There's a brief fake out where they go to try to find her. And they skate right by her, but she's faking that she's looking up because she grabbed the, like these basically big uh, Jackie Onassis glasses and a sun hat and confused them. And then once they skated away, she just took the hat off and like slapped on somebody beside them that was like not reacting. That was a funny moment to me and it was smart and I liked it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, that was a fun moment. I, I will have to give credit and unfortunately I do not have the that person at, at, at my notes right now, the actress, um, Robert, no, the, the, who is uh, composing the music and like oh. really orchestrating what's going on. There are some great cues, uh, music wise, um, that are like really kind of like working the scene so much more. Like, cause even when she, when Alan, uh, unsinks and Michelle decides not to, 
there's this really good cue in the music that happens. And I'm like, oh, shit, things are going to get real fast right now. Like, so, she almost yeah. needs to, to run. So the, the gentleman who does the scoring for the series right now is uh, Marco Bellatrami. I looked this up real time because, you know, why not, right? Um, he has done the scores for uh, Mimic, The Faculty, um, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, Live for Your Die Hard, uh, iRobot, Snowpiercer, 310 to Yuma, which is a great remake, um, Hellboy, The Wolverine and Logan. He um, was a friend of Wes Craven and actually contributed to all four Scream films. So you know him. This is this is amazing. Like this is very transcendent because all of those credits that you listed, I know all of those. And like I can see that he knows scenes well. Like this this is so good. He knows I'm how to punch it. Some- he knows how to add, he knows how to put the finger on the scale and bring it, right? Like that's the, the scoring. Yeah. And I think he did the scoring. I think he does the scoring for all the episodes. Because uh, I think he did the scoring last last episode too, and uh, I think he did the first season as well. Like there is a a flair and style, and you're right. Like he he knows how to 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 bring it up, so to speak, and really set the mode. Like what what happens at that exact moment with Ellen and Michelle? We don't get like something like a cue of like, well, we're getting skateboard sounds or something like that because they're they are on something that really doesn't create that much noise, mm-hmm. but the sound cue for her and what's presented to her, it, it sets that, that moment off like, Oh shit, I got to get out of here now. Like she unplugged, but I didn't. So what's going to happen next? Like that's, that's great sounding. Uh, I, I don't know if that's really the right word here, but <laughs> great, Good enough. great music. No, the, we don't ever, we don't always talk about the scoring of these episodes, whether this one or the original series. Um, no, the music that the music in this episode and the previous one and the first season have been amazing. Um, but you're right. Like, like the, it brings an extra element to it and you're right. Like this, um, even though we know the resolution that we're coming to in here in a couple minutes, it makes you feel uncomfortable. And that's the point. Cause you know, shit's hitting the fan and it, it's another element that makes the twilight zone great. Yeah. And it's like that anticlimactic chase scene that we can't really get out of this situation, but the music really, really cues it up. And so, so we get her and she finally runs back to the hotel and she knows that like, at least she has some kind of solace in, in the hotel. Like she knows it. She doesn't have to adventure around too much. If she just like, kind of like hunkers down she might be okay so she gets um an extra key for the penthouse which uh mr karen and mrs karen got (laughs) yes that's uh, their names it's appropriate it's ken and karen we know that right so she gets up into that room kind of scopes it out all right it seems safe but i love this like weird little moment that happens she just looks over at the I can't remember the male character's name, but she looks over at the male character and just kind of nudges him over. Like, yeah, she knocks Clyde over because he's a piece of shit and needs to be punched in the face. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's like a, like oh, here you go, Jeffrey. I, I, I'm going to give it back to you a little <laughs> bit at least. <laughs> 
Yeah. I just want to mention before she gets up to the penthouse though, is that, um, the, 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 there's three things. One, uh, the green elevator, uh, diamonds just mentioned that cause I talked about that earlier Two, Um, the name of the hotel I think is very on the nose because it's called Faringham. This, we now know this is a game that people escape to. They're going far away from themselves. I think that's on purpose. The logo for the hotel is two interlocking rings with like a space in the middle. So there's two worlds overlapping. That also feels appropriate to me. So like, I, I think, I think there's details that scream at you this entire time that I, this is the stuff that I, I eat up. Like I'm just like, Oh, someone thought of this. Oh, I just want to like, you know, I don't know. I just want to hug them. And then like, I love, I love, um, like details on the edges. And I feel like this is giving you everything this entire time. Yeah. I mean, I, I love the intricacies of uh, like set design and that, um, if, if people had not noticed some of this stuff, give it a second watch, man. Like, cause there's a lot of fun little, like, uh, I guess breadcrumbs to lead us to what the inevitable uh, plot was of this episode. Well, and and but, also man. now just think about this too. This is, this is a mind bomb that's dropped on me right now. Real time. She is working hospitality for a hotel, which the whole goal of a hotel is for people to check in and have a pleasant experience and check out. That's the game. That's the game that's being run this entire time. Man, you're blowing my mind right now too. Cause again, like with you doing the real time thing, I was like, I didn't really even understand what that possible connection was. And I think we, do we get a little bit more of that in the, the solution of this episode yes. or episode as well? Like we do. So. Yeah. So yeah, let's just, let's just get to the end. Uh, uh, customer service calls in, uh, a pigeon, a robot pigeon that is terrifying and amazing at the same time that is hunting for her. And I love the pigeon moment of like, it's a fake ass looking pigeon and it's amazing. And then it notices her and just screams this really terrible scream that the players don't know, but customer service picks up on it and she realizes she made a mistake and tries to outwit them. And that's when we get her on, um, on the ceiling of the hotel ceiling, the roof, the, 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 the roof of the hotel, the ceiling would be her. Like it's, and we're not Lyle Richie. There's no dancing on the ceiling, but, <laughs> um, she's on the roof of the hotel and she's looking at the big eye in the sky. Um, and then, um, that's when we get the, the sudden appearance of uh, Tony Hale's character who is Tom. He's a escalated customer service representative. Yeah, and he explains to her that this is a very un, uh, unforeseen for, uh, circumstance that she's dealing with right now. And he he apologizes profuse, profusely. And she's like, what's going on with these other guys? Like, they're coming after me. He's like, don't worry. They're called off. I'm. We understand that what you are dealing with right now is like with outside of your realm of like understanding. Uh, they were just trying to help. I'm here to be like the the final solution, essentially. And he gets real with her. He 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 knows a lot more that what had played out with Phineas than what the, the low lying guys in uh, customer service were able to talk about, and which is understandable. So, you know, he, he explains to her 
you know, Phineas actually uh, committed suicide. So when he logged on, he had a lot of drugs in the system that would kill him. So it was like this last ditch of like, well, it, when I sign on, this is my my character. At least I'm living through her, and then now I'm done. At least that's what I gained from the, mm-hmm. the conversation. No, you're right because like, like like Phineas made the purposeful decision to to he his goal was to pass away while playing as her in this world of sleep away. Yeah, and it, there's I almost want to know what Phineas's life was like. And like what he did for the day to day, because if he really aspired to be Michelle through the game that much where he when he logged on, he wanted to finish his life as Michelle. There's a lot to unpack there. Well, so even I'm, even Ellen says whenever they're walking through the park where she, she's like, I can see why. Uh, Michelle's appealing to him and she, she says a little differently. She's like, you're confident, you, you know what you want and you're very attractive. I honestly believed before Tony Hale showed up in the episode that I thought Phineas was going to be Tony Hale. I'm like, no, Buster Bluth's a good looking dude. Sometimes you're like, why would he be Phineas? But, um, you get the notion that Phineas, regardless of his, he's even Michelle's like, he sounds a bit like a nerd and, and, and Ellen's like, yeah. This is a guy that was never comfortable in his own skin. So a game like this or an experience like this was right up his alley. And um, so um, you could see, you could sympathize with this character that you've never met. You didn't see uh, and credit to Jordan Peele for the script that you still feel sad for Phineas, though you never know him that he wanted to spend uh, his last, you know, waking moments being someone else it's a little chicken shit because he has a wife and two kids, but there's a sadness there that is like, and again, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this to you too. Um, customer service is saying that to her after admitting all these problems. Um, is that true? I, I, that's the thing. It's like, she's an avatar. She's not a real person. So explaining all this thing, all these like, uh, occurrences to her she's not going to explain all of that to uh, the outside characters right like the outside actual like players so i don't i don't know what the motive is here than just being like we need to hand wave the situation because you're creating bigger problems than what we anticipated and we not and we need to get the world back online yeah well because the bit when she runs to the hotel there's a car that like you know phases like keeps changing like it, it keeps shifting, shifting. That's not a word. Uh, shifting Shift. from one one car to another, which reminds me a lot of like Spider Man and the Spider Verse, where reality is like unhinged. Uh, even even Tom mentions that there's a bit, and I'm gonna play at the end of the episode where people are walking in a laundromat when they exit, they fall into a manhole. It's like things are broken in this world to a degree that the game is not happy with, and this is the biggest headache of all. So they want her to sign a waiver saying, "Hey." do what you want. Um, and I don't know if they made the narrative of made the narrative narrative up that Phineas killed himself just to wash their hands of things. But if they did, I, you know, Michelle doesn't know. And so she has the, uh, she has the choice now of continuing to live her life or logging out into the great unknown. It's true. I mean, like even Alan being a character, 
was she just a tool for the the, the server to, to like fix the problem? It's fair. Uh, I think. Right. Yeah, we don't even know if she's a construct just to try to get her to log out. We don't know that. You're right. That's that's a good call. Yeah. So I mean, like again, like it goes back to the the matrix thing for me. Yeah. So you know, like he he is explaining like. If you just sign this waiver and just remain character at all times, we're gonna we're not gonna have any problems. But then we get the heel turn here, where <laughs> good call. It's a heel like, turn. Yes, I love it. Yeah. So she's like, okay, well, I understand that you you kind of want me to be me now, but what the hell happens to Phineas? You're just gonna throw him away? Like he 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 he's expendable at this point? It's like, oh, are, so you all of a sudden have this awareness that Phineas is a person. If you want to be Phineas again, you have that option. And now this option is almost being taken away. Like I, I, I was a little, I was a little upset at that moment, but it, I mean, if I, that's my little gripe here, that's not that big of a deal. No, you're right. Like it, it does. So the hand waving away of customer service when Tom shows up feels a little disingenuous. And then the notion of them revealing that, um, like, Hey, uh, Phineas was killing himself. And then for Michelle to be like, but what about him and his family? I will give the story and the character credit because she has felt a connection with Ellen and Ellen, which, you know, we, we, we want to believe that Ellen is a real person. And, you know, incredibly attractive. That's neither here nor there. But um, we want to believe that she's out there and that she's trying to do the best for her and for Phineas. We want to believe this. So this, you feel like Michelle at least has the notion of like, yes, I can, I can live my life, but what about this other person? Um, and then the way that the, the uh, Tom and customer service and, you know, the game of sleep away kind of hand waves it away being like, they're taken care of. I, I don't, I don't begrudge her of asking the question of what would happen to him. I, I think that that's a decision that she'll have to live with, but I don't think it's unfair for her to ask that question. No, not at all. And I, if there's any padding that I would like in this episode, it would be this inner, inner turmoil while she's in the hotel room laying on the bed mm -hmm. in a penthouse, like just kind of like wanting to understand where her place is and maybe where Phineas is supposed to be. And like, I, I, we didn't get that conversation, like that inner turmoil. And it made me kind of pissed off. I'm like, okay, so where does this all come from now? <laughs> like she was no, fighting right. so hard. No, and I feel like I feel like there's any padding. And again, this is going to be we're going to get to the end here where uh, Tom says to her, like, well, here's your decision. You sign the waiver uh, downtime's ending. Either you can log out now or play the game. Just remember, stay in character. And that kind of shatters her rule view of like, if I just keep playing the game now, but I know it's a game. What's the point? That's the point. Uh, but she looks up at the eye in the sky with five, four, three, two. And at first you don't know if that's the end of the story. And when I was watching this with my wife, once we finished the episode, she's like, I'm so glad they didn't leave that vague. I kind of wish that was the end of the episode. There's a little bit to gain from both aspects of it. Like that's fair. If we had, if we would have had that just be the, the resolution that would be interesting. But what we had as the ending 
is kind of interesting as well it because is. there's there's a little bit to unpack there as well. So take take us home. Well, walk us out All of right, this so, uh, this waking nightmare. So we get back into the hotel. There's some there's some artsy shots in it, and then we see Michelle. She walks into the front desk area, and uh, Jeffrey talks to her for a moment. She doesn't say anything. There, there, you do not see her say anything at all. We're not hearing anybody, anybody's voices. But you know, moment. but you know, Jeffrey had attitude. I'm just going to throw it out there. You know, he had. It. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's essentially. It's like you know, I didn't have attitude. And well, I, that's now that's now evidence of attitude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Continue, please. So, so we have this uh, really like, uh, like this. I, 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 it's, it's, I don't want to say aromic, but it's like it, it sets a, a tone. The music sets a tone, and there, you don't hear any uh, anybody's voices, and you see this like kind of puzzled look on her face. But then you see Ellen's character or her avatar rather walk up to the front desk. And she says that she wants to rent a room for a few weeks. All right. So first of all, have you ever been in a position where you need to go to an upscale motel or hotel and rent a room for a few weeks? Yeah, but I don't talk about my independent wealth. I don't talk about my podcasting money. (laughs) Fair enough. I I don't flash it around. You've not seen it because of all the times that we've ordered delivery pizza. But, you know. I'm doing okay. <laughs> no, you're right. That's an odd thing to ask for. And so while we see, we see Ellen's avatar, I have to, I guess I have to put it as, as that as well, because we really do not know if this is Ellen at this point, if, if this is Phineas's wife or if it's just an avatar now in the game. So there's a weird exchange of looks between Michelle's character and Ellen's avatar. And there's a really like a really telling smile, I think, on Michelle's face. Here's what I need to understand. So if you are booking a hotel room for a few weeks at a hotel that you possibly wouldn't go to normally of the of the like the husband who ran the hotel as the avatar isn't there some telling signs here maybe you're right i i think the whole if you start unraveling what sleepaway is like there's the notion then that some of the shit jobs that people deal with those can't be people logging in be like you know what i want to do I want to be that guy being yelled at by everybody else. Like that's, that, that's, that can't be a thing. Right. Um, because like we were joking before we started recording, it's like if, if sleep away was a thing and we were both logged in right now, then I don't know what the life is that I'm living outside of myself right now. It has to be absolutely horrible. If this is my best self, let's be honest. But so there's a lot there to think about. Um, so I'll give like, I, 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 it, I feel like it's unfair to me to not hold this episode's feet to the fire. Like I would like season four of the original series or other ones where it's like, yeah, I know it's been 60 years, but you could have thought of something I, I but I want to hand wave it away because, 
um, it takes directions that I wasn't expecting, but it's implied that every single person in this world are people logging in when they sleep and they're filling these roles. That doesn't seem like an escape to me. You know, and like I, like what I was kind of uh, alluding to earlier that uh, we've gotten, we've gotten, 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 uh, we've gotten gotten a lot of like similar storylines where you know you plug in and then you you know you're you have your own lifestyle after the fact, but the end of this this episode brings to mind a lot of other things that could have played out here. Mm-hmm. And I actually really like this last like 20 seconds that plays out because it makes me think that there is something more that could have unfolded between Michelle and Ellen, but it's, they can't talk about it because Michelle has to stay in character. And she said that she felt something Ellen but she couldn't really explain it there was something much more there but it wasn't it was different I'm wondering if Michelle understands that Carl was just this weird anomalous uh, avatar that like she was married to but she knows there's a there's an actual connection with Ellen and then there's the smile like yeah she understands no, you're right. I, I think, think there's a lot of fun to that. I think it's a lot of fun. I think this actually is a more hopeful bounce to the end of the episode that I was expecting. Um, I, 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 so here, here is the big, 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 big thing. I'm going to dance around this without saying specifics. Um, Terry, you need to watch black mirror. That's what I'll say. Cause it's a series that deals with technology going different directions. And anybody listening to this show that if they've watched black mirror, knows what I'm talking about. Um, Jordan Peele clearly loves Black Mirror because this feels a adjacent to it. And that's all I'll say about it because I don't want to ruin any type of joy or surprise or heartache that you may have digging into that series or if people have not watched it, it's a disservice to go further into why I say that. That's what and I'll I say. And I am excited. I'm excited to dive into that completely. I, I I hope that we will have future conversations about some of the material that they put out um, because I've heard nothing but uh, outstanding reviews about the series. Um, yeah. It just, so here's the, here's the thing is that a lot of black mirror is a punch to the face. Sometimes it's not. And again, I'm, I don't want to get into it too much. Um, I feel like anybody that gets in that series needs to watch it from the beginning because you need to get through the 40 miles of bad road before you get to other things. I think it's a disservice to, to jump into the later episodes um, and some of the conceits that they have technology wise without going through like the utter just soul ripping of some of the things that that show does. Um, So that's why I'm not going to say specific episodes or plot points but after watching this episode with my wife who had watched the bulk of black mirror with me, she's like, this reminds me of a lot of X, Y, Z. I'm like, yep. And with that context, I also appreciate where Peel's coming from this because he heads different directions of what the expectation is. And I would love to dive into that, but that's a disservice to you because you've not seen those things. So I'm not trying to be hoity toity. 
I just don't want to spoil anything for you. And that's completely fair. And, uh, you know, like I was talking through this conversation, the similar aspects between, you know, Matrix and, you know, uh, shit. Like, there's a there's a lot that we can draw the similarities between. I mean, even with the, the pigeon, I felt like that was a callback to uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Fair enough. That's valid. You're right. That's a good call. I mean, it does look like, um, uh, what's his face at the end? It looks like... Uh, um, Donald Sutherland, Donald Sutherland. <laughs> <laughs> pigeon Sutherland, just screaming at them. You're right. That's a good call. That's a good call. out. You're right. I mean, but you know, but that doesn't do for me that that didn't play a disservice to what I, I watched. I mean, shit, there are a lot of people that do not know a lot of the things that possibly you and I, and maybe a lot of our audience really appreciate. This is new. This is 2020. We're talking about new Twilight Zone. If somebody gains something from this, that's awesome. Like I did, and I. Yeah. But I've been watching film, you know, like past and present for for the longest time, and I can appreciate everything that I've watched. And but that didn't play against this episode at all. No, like, I really, I loved what I watched, and it was it was awesome, and it was it was, it was a breath of fresh air in a context that. Here we are, 2020. We're trying to compare it to other things, but there were still elements in here that were completely different from all of those things I can compare it to. Well, and and also just to to get a little further, um, for a 38 minute episode, we're talking a lot about this because I blame me for blabbing. But I'm going to go into one other area before we wrap it up. I I play uh, World of Warcraft because you know I, I love that game. I've been playing for over 10 years. You're, you're literally choosing a character and existing in a world of people and you get to choose the appearance that you have and what you do. Um, to say that I, I feel more um, confident and don't give a shit about like what I say sometimes is that's correct. Um, I get to make the me I want to make in this fantasy world. Whether I'm an eight foot tall uh, blue guy that has goat legs and uh, tentacles on his face, cool. That's me. People know me. Um, I, I, I told Terry this before, before we start, like before we start recording, but not tonight, but he knows this. When I got married out in Vegas with my wife, I had two or three people that showed up to my wedding out there that were part of my World of Warcraft guild. So these are people that I knew in the digital and did not see until the physical until my wedding because they lived in Vegas in California. Um, there is, there's a lot here to unpack. And then the notion of world maintenance um, I can't tell you the multiple times on a Tuesday when Blizzard's like, hey, the servers are shut down for four hours. I'm like, God damn it. I want to kill shit as my guy. I can relate to that. <laughs> you know, like it's a thing that happens. So when they said world maintenance, I'm like, it, it, it was speaking to a thing I've known about, right? Um, whenever Blizzard releases a new expansion to World of Warcraft, um, the first few months you can expect Tuesdays for the world to shut down for a few hours for maintenance. This is not that far away from it. Um, I have friends that I, that I am friends with on Facebook and I've met in real life that first have met me as an avatar before they met me. I can relate to this. So there's a lot here I can dig into. I mean, in that it's gotta be fun for you as a, as a viewer for this, because, you know, like drawing that, like the idea that this is a, a digitized world that you exist in. And when you unplug, 
you're still you're still you. But then when Michelle is not that person or like it's 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 got to be fun for you. I mean, like the 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 only game that because I, I don't do online gaming. The only game that nerd. I can even <laughs> remotely compare this. Sorry, but, you're not. A, I'm a nerd. I called you a nerd, but I, I called you a nerd, but I'm a nerd. But continue, please. <laughs> the, the only game that I can even remotely uh, draw a parallel to that I've played is Fable. So I mean, oh, yeah. like, yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call because you're the hero of the world, right? And you get to make decisions and you affect the world around you. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, like do do I do so? Not to get like this is this is going to get into the to 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 me a little bit. There's going to become a day and time in which I do not log into World of Warcraft, whether it's because I am done with the game, that's probably not going to happen, or I pass from this world. There, there's part of my brain that's just like, well, people remember my character. Is there anything of important happening there? Will it exist on? And I think like that's that's a very small thing because it's a video game. I get that it's a digital representation of a thing that I've done, but you wonder about the story that you're telling of yourself presented in this world, will anybody give a shit if you're not around anymore? And I think that's kind of where Michelle was of like, I've established myself. I've worked hard. What do I do now? So you're right. There's a lot here. I've been, I was reading into this. And, and, and rightfully so. I mean, cause there were just, just mundane characters throughout this world that she kind of was existing with and she like she put it out uh, right out front like I busted my ass to get to this position like I'm just not somebody this is this is who mm -hmm. I am this is what I've strived to be and you know it, it you know it does align with an idea of you know can I have an existence after this like can I live on like I've always wanted to be a musician because I wanted to write some song that was going to be you know, played at weddings 30 years after my death, you know, that's an amazing idea. And I think that's kind of what she wanted. She wanted to exist in this plane where she had complete control of her faculties. And that is a beautiful thing. And like, she can still exist in this fictitious world. And I mean, what's wrong with that? I agree. So yes. Um, yeah, I, I like this episode a great deal. And I loved that. Um, and as much as we have talked double the runtime of the actual episode, but I feel like expediency of the episode serves it well. Um, it was a nice, tightly written episode. So, so of course, Jordan Peele knows how to write for time. Um, this was it was a fun exploration. I liked that the twist wasn't the reveal of, "Hey, you're an avatar in someone's brain." The twist was, uh, you know what, like, unless you have notes about the episode, let's just get to the twist. We'll talk about this. I've not rated it until we're about to talk about it. No, I have no more notes. The double fake that when we find out that she's living in this, like this, this world, that's an online game that doesn't surprise me. Uh, the fact that we find out that there's complications with her real world person and that she's now untethered and now she has the conundrum of do I log out or not? I was not expecting that. So I'd rate that as a four because I feel like that's way more complicated than just the earth shattering of like, I'm not real because there's never a moment until the end that she's never doubted her own reality, but she starts to doubt like, well, now that I know what's up, uh, 
that's going to change everything. But customer service already left after you asked that question. So I'll give it a four. So, you know, as I was saying, all the parallels that I had drawn um, and how I was watching this episode, I was completely floored by this one. Like, I'm going to give it a five. Okay. Honestly, like, I'm glad that they played it the way that they did. Um, I didn't expect this, like, like this fake world that Michelle was kind of existing in. And the fact, the, the fact that they handled it the way that they did made me even appreciate it that much more. Because we didn't have like a pan out and there was some guy in his underwear in, you know, in his basement <laughs> playing as her as a character. Like, yeah, I'm glad that they just did not do that. Like this, this is a five for me. And honestly, this is my first five for the Twilight Zone, uh, you know, like uh, universe. Yeah. Look at that, guys. You, you heard it here first. It's the first five uh, from Terry. So, yeah, this is a great episode. I dug it and uh, it's worthy of rewatch. Um, I think this is one that's going to resonate with me much like the first episode we watched this season. So, so far we're batting like, like a thousand on things that we liked for the Jordan Peele, uh, second season. Um, all right, before we get talking about the next episode, uh, you guys can follow us on Facebook at strange highways podcast. Um, again, I, my difficulty of trying to find images because uh, CBS doesn't want me to share nice things, I guess. I don't know, whatever. Anyway, you can follow us there. We'll post post the episode. We'll post things every so often. Uh, Terry might do some live Facebook live videos in which he dances. I don't know. Maybe I'm prompting him to do it. Uh, you guys can also write us at strangehighwayspodcastgmail.com. Uh, wherever you find your podcast, whether it be Stitcher, Podbean, uh, Apple Podcasts, um, um, 7-Eleven, I don't know. Wherever you find your podcast, rate and review us. It'd be greatly appreciated because we love the conversation. The more, the merrier. It'd be a lot of fun. And, and, you know, anything that we can get is great. Uh, You know, I would appreciate it if you guys watch the episodes. But apparently I've had some some fans reach out and say that they've listened to the podcast and they love it and they haven't watched the episodes. I, I, I think that's kind of a disservice to what we're doing here. So, <laughs> well, to be fair, I'm also that guy. I will listen to a lot of content, uh, that I've not partaken of, uh, because I, I appreciate the conversations of those that are presenting it. So, cause they do a good enough job of giving me, um, the foundation to appreciate the commentary. So I am also one of those people, but I, well, and also, that's, yeah. that- that's completely fair. And I, if we're, if we're talking about like the, the product that was given to us, like please watch Jordan Peele's new twilight zone, please watch Rod Serling's, uh, initial, uh, iteration of what the twilight zone was. Uh, you know, it, we, we strive to like give you guys a great conversation about something that we've watched and hopefully you're watching it with us. Uh, and I, I'm looking forward to, like crazy to every conversation I'm having with you guys about like future episodes Mm -hmm. that we cover and like prior episodes that we cover. Absolutely. So yeah, that's going to do it. And again, I mentioned this at the beginning of the episode, you can find the Patreon uh, at strange highways. Uh, it is all 10 episodes of the first season. There's commentary there. Um, there's some good stuff there. Um, you know, I'm part of that too. So just check it out. It's free. Uh, I will keep, uh, periodically checking in to make sure Patreon doesn't shut it down because for whatever reason, again, if money's not coming in, they're not interested, but I, I'm making it free. You guys want to listen 
check it out. And there's some good talk there. But next episode we're covering is season two, episode three of this current season called The Who of You. Here's the description that we had from CBS All Access. A struggling actor, Harry, Ethan Embry, risks everything to catch his big break, but an impulsive scheme takes a few turns no one saw coming. Daniel uh, Sunjataya Sunjataya, and Billy Porter also guest star. Uh, Ethan Embry, um, if you remember, he's from the film Cheap Thrills. If you've not seen that, Terry, it's a weird movie and kind of gross. But we'll talk about Ethan Embry more next week. Um, yeah, so far, been loving this. Um, not that I'm expecting us to hit a ditch, but I don't know anything about this, and I cannot wait to talk about it next week. Yeah, another really vague uh, description, mm-hmm. but uh, yes. I I do like Ethan Embry a lot. I, I love him as Mark in uh, Empire Records, so I'm really excited about this episode. Yeah, so we'll talk about that next week. So everybody have a good week. Uh, be safe and, uh, you know, log out sometimes. You know, that's that's what I got to say. Sometimes you got to walk away uh, from the digital world and exist in the real world. Um, and also, if you're digitally existing right now, um, I don't know, become a CEO or a rock star. That's what I'll say. Always be the rock star, baby. We're all trying to help with this truly unforeseen error. Error? Yeah. Is that where you're following it now? Yeah, we've had an embarrassing amount of issues for us. Some mapping inconsistencies downtown that had people entering a laundromat and exiting a manhole on the other side of town. 